Hello and welcome to the Negative Space Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Sippy. As a reminder, all of these episodes are recorded live in front of an actual audience. So if you want to join and bring your questions to the panel, you can check out the Negative Space website for a full schedule and registration as well. Also, the, the video recording is on YouTube, so you can watch that as well. Now then, on to the show. All right, so today we are talking with Kiara Valdez. Hello, Kiara. Uh, Kiara is an Afro-Dominican writer and graphic novel editor from New York City. Shout out to Washington Heights. She graduated from Williams College with a double major in English literature and Japanese and spends her free time reading, writing, and enjoying a long list of other hobbies she can't keep up with. She is currently an editor with First Second, where she has edited several award-winning and best-selling graphic novels. Kiara, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. So we're going to start where we always do, which is I want to get your creative origin story. What made you want to start telling stories in the first place? Oh, boy. Um, so I've been obsessed with comics and stuff like that. Mostly manga. I grew up with manga uh, since I was like around 11 or 12. And right when I got into it, I also got into fan fiction. So I was writing my little fan fictions, slightly problematic and badly written uh, at the age of around 12. I, it's really funny. I talk about this. I used to like write them and print them and like shove them in my book bag and bring them to school and share them with my friends at recess. Um, so uh, that's where my love for at least writing came, but also like reading, being immersed in comics. Um, so most of my life, it has been manga, a little bit of American stuff here and there, but really it's when a year before I graduated college where I discovered basically the graphic novel industry and was fascinated by it. Mm. That, was, that was a great segue into my next question, which was when did comics and graphic novels become the medium that you were most, that you went into? I mean, it's your career now. So what, what made that the appealing medium? Yeah, I, for a long time, um, I'm kind of a weird one where I wanted to be a comics editor, but specifically a manga editor since the age of 16, basically. I do not remember how I learned that editing was a job because most people don't learn that until like they graduate college. Um, but I somehow knew, thank you, Google, I guess. Um, and I thought, well, like, I'm not going to write them. So I really want to support them. Like, I want to be the person like making them look sound nice and like, you know, selling it to people. So I, uh, every single essay like that I had to write a Japanese class where they're like, tell us what you want to do in the future. I'm like, I want to be a manga editor. Um, and really the goal at the time was to work in Viz in San Francisco uh, specifically for Sublime, their VO imprint. Um, so that was the goal for a long time. Uh, but then a year before I graduated college, I met Calista Brill, who is now my now manager. She was she knew someone I knew and they were like, go do an informational interview, just like learn about something. So I came in and like the first thing she told me before we even started the interview, she's like, there are no jobs. Um, but I'll tell you about mine. And I'm like, thanks. Uh, okay. Uh, and she gave me In Real Life by Cory Doctorow and Jen Wang. And it kind of, it changed my life. I wasn't really aware of the graphic novel uh, industry. I mean, I was a library kid. So yeah, I picked up Archie. Like who did not read Mouse? But no one was there telling me this is a graphic novel. Like this is like manga, but American. Like no one tells you that. And you grow up thinking all there is, is Marvel and DC. Uh, so that's why, that's where I was before I met Calista. And after I was like, oh, look at this whole avenue that I can explore. And like, I can be an editor for graphic novels. Um, and I had had an internship with Kovansha the stat summer that I met uh, Calista and I loved it. But manga editing is like copy editing. It, you can't 
control or develop or do anything with the source material because you get it and it's done. Uh, and I was really interested in the idea of shaping stories, especially for people of color, especially for people like me. I think that's so fascinating. And most people who become editors, it was like, oh, well, they they sort of just, you know, they want to be a writer and that didn't take off. So they went down the editor path. But it sounds like it was something very early with you, you realized you wanted to do it. What was it about the editorial process that was so appealing to you? I don't know, because it's not like I was like a better reading or doing anything. Also, I never like when I was reading for fiction, I would not edit myself. I would read it once and publish it into the world. I did not believe in editing. So I don't really know. I think it's like people who like doing like theater backstage or like lights. It's like you just kind of know you don't want to be at the forefront and you just really want to make it happen for other people. Uh, I also, I don't think, I thought like I was very suited for the job and I still think I am. Like, I think it's a job that suits my personality a lot. Uh, cause I'm, I kind of like getting things done and like, I love reading. So I, literally my thought was, Hey, I'm gonna get paid to read comics for free. <laughs> and really that is the least, that's the, the, the last thing you do as an editor, but we can get to that later. <laughs> so, I mean, were you still writing this time? I'm curious if, if the editor side of you and the writer side of you sort of grew up in tandem, if they complemented each other. Um, they, they did in a way, but not in a way where I was thinking I'm going to be a writer. Um, mm -hmm. I was, I've always been writing uh, and, and it's, I always saw it as like a fun hobby, like a fun getaway. Um, again, I've been writing through my fandoms in fan fiction uh, and I've always enjoyed it. But the moment I saw like that I could be an editor as a job, when it comes to like career, I that's exactly what I was thinking about. I never thought like, oh, you can write on the side or you can also be a writer. I kind of thought you have to pick one or the other. And the writing, like I had a best friend who wanted to be a writer. And I was like, oh, I, I don't feel that, that passionate about it like this person does. So I'm just like, well, and I do feel passionate about being an editor. So I guess I'm just going to go with the thing I feel really passionate about. That's fascinating. Um... Yeah, no, I find that so interesting. Uh, so then I guess the question then is that the work that you write and the work that you edit, is it similar stuff? Like, are you writing the same kind of stuff that you edit or are they completely different things? I'm a very self-indulgent editor. <laughs> so I only work on uh, things that I like reading and I usually, and I write things that I like reading. So they tend to be the same. And of course, there's a lot of genres that I pick up that I will never write. Like comedy cannot do that. Horror cannot do that. Um, so some things are just out of my ability and I'm not interested in like telling stuff like that. But my favorite things to read and to edit are middle grade memoir, contemporary middle grade and YA memoir, contemporary YA and magical realism in both those age groups. And that's all I like writing as well. Um, yeah, so I, I, a lot overlaps. And then I also have other interests, like anything middle grade interests me, like fantasy, horror, and also in YA, but I, would I wouldn't write those. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, they do influence each other though. Okay. I, I want to segue or separate now the writer side and the editor side. We're going to talk about the editor side now and get back to the writer side later. Uh, so tell us uh, about sort of what it is you do as an editor, because it's, it's, you know, publishing is sort of one of those things where there is a curtain where you know, sometimes it's just nice to hear what exactly you do on that side of it. So what is it that editors do, especially your acquisitions editor, I believe? Yeah, I'm just, it's just editor. Uh, mm. So some, in some 
places. Uh, you have someone who's an acquisitions editor, and that probably means all they do is acquire things and do nothing else, meaning they don't actually edit the book. Uh, they're usually, those kind of people are, and again, this is, I don't know where that exists, but I know it exists as a job. Usually, I think it's probably the um, editor at large is more of an acquisitions editor, and that's like a weird honor position in some houses where you have like that one person that's been working for the house for like 40 years and they just don't actually work for them anymore just here and there they acquire a book um so that would be an acquisitions editor uh mostly just big picture ideas and none of the work um i'm just an editor uh so i do acquire and i do all the work uh and yeah so my job a lot of my job now as an editor and for people who don't know and and this is different in trade versus direct. Direct market has a lot less steps to become an editor. Like I met someone who became an editor in a year and I thought that was insane. Um, whereas publishing makes you la last at least two or three years in each position. It depends on if you can make them speed up uh, by getting someone else to try to poach you or things like that. That is really normal and now absolutely not shady in publishing because they'd rather be for forced their hand than like give you things based on your merit but uh, it goes uh edit uh, assistant editor not assistant editorial assistant these will sound the same assistant editor uh associate editor and editor so uh i'm about to be my seventh year in for a second in literally a week so i went through four positions in seven years uh actually a little bit faster by maybe a year than most people but that's that. And a lot of it is admin. Um, I live in my inbox, unfortunately. And I think you'll hear editors say this a lot. We 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 got, we got this job because we love editing. We love getting like down, getting dirty, like fixing stories, reading them, being moved by them. But it ends it ends up being the thing we do like from like eight to two in the morning outside of the job which is ridiculous honestly i think it's so ridiculous and things need to be shifted so that we have time within our 40 hour 35 to 40 hour day work week but the truth is that being an editor is a people's job it's a lot of managing your creator managing your higher ups managing every other department because you are the liaison from the creator and the agent to the in-house and you are at the end of the day everything falls on you like if something goes wrong in production you are responsible for telling the creator. Um, they will ask you your opinion on absolutely everything, marketing, ads, sales, production, paper, design. Like you, you are in the middle of it all. So you are really the jack of all trades, a master of none. Um, and that's a lot of my job. What I love about the job is not repetitive. Any, no day looks the same for me. Some days I might just be in email replying for like seven hours at a time uh because we get so much emails and it could be a mixture of things it's just like keeping up with projects i my hands touch about let's say in one week at least seven to eight projects not even necessarily only my own and in many different stages because we, i'm editing from the moment of conception or even even preconception because because i sometimes pitch together like pitch someone a story and tell them hey you want to you want to write this um and i'm going through every stage so in any one week i can be working on a script of a book uh like a past in production of another one the cover like giving notes on the cover on another one and like thumbs of another one and it's usually like seven to eight it's really hard to keep track but a lot of our job is that um and then the smaller part the more fun part of our job is just doing development uh, work with the creator or creators. Um, 
And obviously going through the stages that people know, like it is script. Usually I like script, outline script, thumbs, pencils, inks, colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just do every stage uh, and I get feedback in every stage uh, until it is ready to go into production. And then there's still at least six more months of editing because people don't realize how long it takes. It takes about like 18 months from the time files are turned in to the time books could be published. Um, and half of that is just trying to get typos out, even though like 16 pairs of eyes have seen it. And it, trust me, you will look into that book and you will find a typo because humans are not perfect. So, but yeah, that's that's a rundown of a lot of the things I do. That's, that's probably the most comprehensive rundown of the editorial side of things that I've ever heard. So thank you for being, <laughs> for being so good with that. Uh, and, and we had a bunch of questions actually come in there about editing. So I want to get to those really quick. Uh, I'm going to wrap these two together. So do you think it's difficult to break into comics editing specifically? We'll start there. It is very difficult. Um, probably one of the most difficult ones to break into because it's so niche. Um, if you especially only want to do comics editing, it's like near impossible because now it's better. It's like, it's better than when I started in 2016. Because when I started in 2016, my choices were Scholastic, uh, Graphics, First, Second, and that's it. And this side of things, I, there must be another one. I'm missing one. Like probably like, I don't know, like Abrams or something. There was not a lot. And now we have like Harper Alley. We have Random House Graphics. Like we have like Andrea, um, Andrea doing uh, Ed Brown. There's like going to be an imprint, like in Little Brown. So there's a lot of choices now, but unfortunately publishing at this side, again, I know nothing about direct market. I never wanted to do direct market. So my, uh, a lot of what I'm saying is from my side because it's very different uh, industries, but our sides of the industry, but uh, it is hard because headcount publishing is really strict with headcount and they don't increase it often. Um, I would think because some of these imprints are moving around their fifth year of being open, that's around, like that's the red the red stage like that's around when like companies are not making money and you kind of just have to hope that they go to green um i think usually when companies pass green they they start giving or like increasing headcount so um there are there will be some open places but again if you want to do comics alone it's really hard good thing is everyone wants to do graphic novels these days everyone so like uh if you're okay with editing pros or other things like if you just join a publishing house usually their kids division and they do graphic novels as well, you'd be able to do the full gamut. Like you'd be able to do graphic novels and prose, et cetera. I know some people really like doing that. I, if I had to edit prose before I became a graphic novel editor, I would not be here. <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> which is an excellent segue into another audience question, which is what skills slash editorial eye do you feel like you need to develop editing comics versus editing prose? So the thing people don't realize about uh, graphic novel editors and comics editors, I'm going to use the umbrella term, comics editors, is that we are also art directors. You need to have a great eye for art. Um, it's not like books, like things like prose or picture books where the editor only edits the text and then relies on their design department to like get the artist and like do the the art corrections and stuff like that, which is what happens in traditional. Um, and what's a big, it's a big difficulty when some editors that are only prose editors go into graphic novels and they're like, oh, like I need to edit the art and the text together. And like, I also need to learn what to look for. And I'm like, yeah, you need to learn all that. Luckily, a lot of people in comics grew up with comics. So they 
I specifically, I'm a vibes girl. Like I got, I, a lot of my skill came from just being so immersed my whole life that I have an eye for things. And obviously you learn, you can learn there's books out there. Um, so I do a lot. I backed it up. Like I got in, I learned the ropes. And since then I've been trying to like fine tune, like I know in my heart, like, I'm like, oh, this looks wrong. And I can explain what I think looks wrong of it, but I didn't have the vocabulary. So then I started reading meta and like reading books on editing. I'm like, oh, that's the vocabulary for that. I can use that next time. But a lot of it is just having, you can't be taught kind of having an eye for the medium. It takes just a long time. Either you are purposely sitting down and doing like hours of reading, reading it. Um, you're making up the hours basically for the medium or you've been doing it your whole life. It is one of those like 10,000 hours makes a master. It's like, hopefully you've been ingrained and you're doing something that you want to read or you'll put in the time to go through a lot of reading in a short amount of time to learn. Otherwise, I, I explain to people, don't go to school for publishing. Do not go to school for editing. Um, you learn a lot of it on the job and you get better. A lot of it, because especially in trade, when you're doing... Um, editorial assistant that's all admin and little by little they give you like the slush pile like they give you things to read they give you they ask you for your opinion you start learning from like the people who are higher up on you to see what to look to see what the taste of the imprint is and you just start learning uh a lot of the stuff you just have to have the foundation basically for it and it sounded like you almost got to another question or you almost answered another question before I even asked it, which is what are your thoughts on going to school for English literature to be an, an author or an editor? Is it worth it or are there better ways? Well, I love my English major. So I always say be an English major. It makes you the most well-rounded for absolutely anything you want to do after, especially in like a liberal arts school. Um, I went to Williams and Williams uh, didn't have a core curriculum, but it had a curriculum where it required me to take something in the sciences and STEM, something in like, uh, like the social studies and like the, like, um, like, I can't even, I don't remember what the section was, and then something in language and English. So I just, you need to be well-rounded, like, usually people talk about this a lot, but like, people who go to universities and only do science don't know how to write. Um, but if you do an English major, you know how to write, and that's really useful, and you will be reading a lot, and that's also really useful. You don't need to. I have, I've been at like friends, colleagues that took so many roles to be an editor again, because you can learn it on the job, but you need to have, they usually were readers like on the side, like they might have not graduated with an English major, but they read their whole lives. You know, there always has to be that angle that you either read or read or for school. Um, and you can then go in uh, and it's just hard. I think the hardest thing about getting into the, publishing world is showing that your interest and like a lot of that comes from experience like internships shows your interest like it, it's already they can see it on the paper this person is so interested they did an internship I can trust their interest in whatever that they're trying to do um so I had a lot of internships before but that's really hard. internships are also hard to get so when people ask me advice about how to get into this industry I was just like do anything adjacent to it volunteer at a library work at a library if you can like work at an agency if you like agencies by the way do a lot of what editors do like they also edit clients work and they also like read through submissions so that would cover a lot of the stuff you do in the beginning of your career um stuff like that uh but you don't need a specific degree honestly uh, I, I had also colleagues that like became teachers and then quit and then like four years later got into publishing which is also a great route because you know kids 
which is a huge thing if you're in the kids department at least mm -hmm. all right so we're gonna transition out of life as an editor right now or at least the, the getting work in there and talk more about pitching because that was a big uh subject here and to cue that off there is an there is a question in the audience that i want to get to which is uh, i understand there is no such thing as pitching a graphic novel to a traditional book publisher is that a misconception that a creator with no agent has zero opportunity to pitch to places like first second or other other traditional publishers ah uh, yes uh that's a complex uh, answer i have to give you most places are close to unsolicited submissions that's specifically unsolicited, meaning we didn't ask you um, for it. But the, it's not the same the other way around. I have reached out to the people uh, personally. Like I follow them on Twitter and I saw like I really like their art. I will send them an email. Uh, I, I call it like, what is it? A warm high email. I would say, hey, I'm here about this. I follow you on Twitter. I really love your art. If you have anything in the future, you'd like to pitch to me, reach out. And I think a lot of editors do that, or at least in the comic scene, like, especially at for a second the reason we're in a lot of comic conventions is to scout for talent like we're in the artist alleys just to see if there's any artists that we didn't know and would like to know um just to see how the scene is uh and yeah a lot of a few of my projects where i reached out and um either told them to pitch me something or they pitched me something and i workshopped it with them or i want i had a, a script so i reached out for them to do the artwork or yeah it's usually that it's those kind of things but again that's from the editor you will never know uh if an editor is going to come into your door and knock on it uh that's why i tell people that just keep doing you like I, follower count doesn't count like for example one person i went i found by magic it was like on a thread it was like an artist day and someone was like put your twitter like your profile or like your portfolio in this thread when i'm telling you this thread was like a hundred comments long but that day, I just happened to have some time. That day, I just happened to want to be procrastinating whatever I was working on. So I was just flipping through and I like clicked the link. And then there's this person, lovely art. I was like, this art would be perfect for middle grade. 300 followers on Twitter. Nothing. It was just pure luck. And that they had a good portfolio. That's important. Like a website I can go to and immediately see what their art is. Uh, and that's how they got, they got an email from me and we started working on the project. A lot of it is just being in the ground doing your thing on social media, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, unless you have an agent, the only way to get your foot in the door is through an agent from you to them in that direction. Um, because otherwise they will probably never see it um, mm -hmm. unless like a miracle happens, obviously, but. Gotcha. And then uh, following up on that, uh questions about does that kind of opportunity happen to just writers too because you mentioned seeing illustrations and reaching out to an artist have you done that for writers as well and if so what was the circumstance that made you notice a writer writers are really hard in the comics industry a lot of writers that end up being writing alone have written prose or like yeah usually prose worked on a tv show did picture books did something before comics that's i think that's where you'll see the majority of writers um or worked in direct market you know like there's a combination uh but it's usually you did something before like any kind of something but you did something there's very few times where like i at least as an editor i'm like going and like looking at writing samples from people on their websites or anything like that um and but there are times like for example uh a frizzy I can show it. It's one, 
It's one of the books on my list. It's one of the ones I'm most proud of. Um, I this is that's this is what's weird. I reached out to Claribel A. Ortega. Claribel had not had a book out yet, but had was acquired already. A book was acquired and in production. And I read Claribel's first book as a manuscript. Um, and that's how I decided to go with them. But I was actively looking for a Dominican writer. So I was just going through the gamut. And that's how someone would approach you, I guess, um, as an editor by yourself. Is but again, Clarabel had was already a writer. I'm sure I would have approached her anyhow, as long as she had something I could read. Uh, but it usually is that, unfortunately. It's really hard to make it in comics if you just start in comics alone as a writer, especially on the trade side. I think direct marketing has more of a like, I don't even know how they do it in direct market, honestly, but I feel like it's more common to have writer and artist in direct market. So they have way, their ways, but. So then let's talk about like when a pitch comes in from an agent, um, what are you normally seeing? Like, is it just a query letter? Is it like a pitch packet? What does it normally look like? It's a pitch packet. Um, and usually, uh, so obviously this depends, uh, this depends if it's just a, uh, creator who's doing both the writing and the art or an artist and, and a writer which is actually really I want to say it's like a 50-50 usually for us um but a lot of the stuff it's like the writer was friends with the artist or like they knew each other or they're married or like the agent paired them up there's a lot of that like for me for example as a writer we'll get to that later but I went and directly just as a writer went to my agent and my agent can pair me up to go do a project together and that sometimes is more appealing to an editor and sometimes not it just depends but usually you're seeing uh elevator pitch so like a paragraph that summarizes the whole project you're usually seeing an outline just the beats the whole story beats just so that they could know what happens from beginning to end instead of like acquiring something and then all of a sudden you killed one of the characters and they're like what like that's not what i wanted um and uh obviously uh most of the time uh projects have an artist or the right artist is the writer so we have at least five pages consecutively of sequentials uh and that's the very bare and obviously a bio on the create on the creator that's the bare minimum i've seen a lot more i've seen like final scripts with the uh five pages of sequentials or like 20 pages of sequentials uh but the bare minimum are those four components and that's pretty much it i think out of all the mediums well actually picture book is also pretty scarce like how small the submission is but i think graphic novels and comics in general is pretty straightforward when it comes to pitching um yeah and like we don't need like we don't want the book obviously to be done before it's pitched because as an editor you want to shape that often the script is done before it's uh you pitch because often script writers have to finish it so that they can get query and agent so it's already done by the time they're going to an editor so when you when you get would, would you say the majority of them already have an artist attached or how often do you get to go out and find an artist and is that sort of a, a fun part of it that's like mm, 20% maybe, maybe, maybe a little less. It depends on the editor, honestly. Uh, I like building teams, but it's also, I have to feel like the project is worth it because it's really hard. So basically it, it's less often that uh, I get a script submitted to me and I am, and I acquire it. It just happens less often, uh, but it happens. And it, but it is a lot of work to then go find an artist because you need to find an artist that the, 
creator likes that you like that works for their age group also um there's financials involved like you have to think about your budget etc 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 um where it's a lot more straightforward when it's when a team comes together but sometimes i've had submissions where i really like the art and then i don't like the writing or i really like the writing and i don't like the art and i can't go and be like break up your team um i won't do that so i just pass it completely so there's plus and minuses to both that's interesting. Uh, so I want to get to another question now, which you had mentioned a little bit of what you look for in a pitch, just your personal interest. But uh, the question is, uh, what in a pitch will get your interest immediately? And what is an immediate pass? Or are there any red flags? Uh, and granted, these are going through agents. So I'm sure most of those are eliminated. But are there certain things they draw your attention, certain things that just absolutely don't? So um, I love this question because, yeah, if it's going to an agent, it's really polished, but still sometimes things get through. For example, because sometimes agents stretch the truth a little. Um, it's a huge red flag to me when I get a submission and they're like, this is a YA. And I'm like, this is not a YA. This is middle grade. Like this reads middle grade. The art looks middle grade. Why is this a YA? Why are you saying this is a YA? Why are your comps YA? Um, so that's the biggest red flag for me is when the person again, sometimes it's like solo and then sometimes is the agent doesn't know um, the market. That's huge. Like that's a problem because if you, you have to write for your market, the, the, the project cannot exist if you don't like first know the market or you will write it and you can see what market you wrote it for. Like, it's just very obvious, at least to me as an editor, when someone's writing and knows the market they're going for, versus where they're just writing and don't know uh, who, who's the reader. Who, they're not thinking about who's on the other side. Um, so that's a huge red flag for me. Otherwise, um, sometimes, uh, uh, this is not a huge, this is not even, this is like a yellow, like a pale yellow, basically almost blind flag. Um, it's like comps. Sometimes people put comparative titles, but they don't realize that um, publishers have different rules like for example um, um mcpg which is make children's publishing group which is what for seconds part of even though we do have an adult section people forget that um they we can only use comparative titles within the last two years it's very strict because the market changes so fast but sometimes i get comparative titles from agents where it's like been 10 years and i'm like this is not useful to me like i don't know what this means anymore because the market has changed so much so also that it's so it's a little dicey like you have to be smart about your comparative titles also you don't even need to put them like it's nice when it's when agents put it but like it's not that necessary like i will come up with my own comparative titles because i have to for the paperwork i have to do to acquire someone but for me those are the biggest red flags again uh agents are pretty good at their jobs uh they are pretty good at you know streamlining things and they tend to know what people want so that's my biggest thing and it doesn't happen that often and then putting on the spot here a little bit but are there any pitches recently that you received that really stood out to you anything that you it just like was an automatic, oh yes, um, this is this is exceptional. Um or any ooh. any memorable, not even recently, just something memorable, a pitch that really stood out. Memorable. Well, yeah, I there's uh who was it? I had a very sometimes when I get pitches, and again, this is like extra, you don't need to go this far, but a really well-designed pitch. Like, uh, there's some pitches, most pitches are just like PDF, bam, 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 which is normal. Like, that's exactly what I expect. But here and there, I get thrown into a loop where it's like, 
there's like a cover page and like everything is designed. Um, and again, that is not necessary. I have to stress that it's really like the 0.01%, but it's always so, so lovely to see, um, especially if like the, there's like a lot of the person's artistic, not only their art style, but their artistic eye involved. Because you're like, oh, I, I get what this person likes doing. Like I get even in the future, even though cover design is not a conversation that happens for like three years, I get kind of their vibe and I love that. Um, otherwise, I'm just really moved by stories. And that's really all a pitch needs to have. It has to have a story that I want to see or that I haven't seen before or that I think needs to be told by this angle. Um, so as long as you really focus on polishing your work, and again, if you, a good thing about an agent too is that they will edit the heck out of you. Most of them will. There's a few that might not edit you, but most of them will. You know why? Because they want to sell the pitch. And if they get it and they're like, this needs work, they will not send it out because they're like, we might not get, like, we might just get rejection. So the good thing is that you will have a partner if you get an agent who will be there the whole time, even before your editor is there. Mm -hmm. So we're going to change gears again now, talk about writing a bit because time is moving along quickly. Uh, so <laughs> you you recently sold your own debut YA graphic novel, Stepping Up. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this, where it came from, what the inspiration was? So as I was saying, I've been writing since I was 12, but again, I never, it was not ever in the forefront of my mind that I could be a writer. But then I was working on a book by one of my authors, Ningo Zukazu, which I'm sure many people know here. Um, and one of her books coming out after the next one, the one she's coming out right now, she's uh, doing with an artist called Butt. But one after that's called Flip. And the story takes place in a boarding school. And it takes, it's like about a black girl in a boarding school and some other, a lot of shenanigans happen. Uh, but I was editing this. And as I was editing this, I had gone to boarding school and I was like, giving her a lot of advice. I was like, well, this is not really how this happened in boarding school, yada, yada, yada. And then I just had an epiphany one day and I was like, I could write. I could write a story about when I was in boarding school as a black girl, you know? Um, and obviously your stories are very different. Hers is fictionalized and there's like a Freaky Friday thing that happens. So um, very different, but it got me thinking that, you know, I could write. I can, I can see myself having a career on the side of my main career um, where I write and I want to try this. And a lot of it is because one of my coworkers had gotten a book signed because um, she also was doing writing on the side. And then we started a writing group within um, publishing because uh, if people don't know this, a lot of people who work in publishing end up maybe doing side gigs in writing, but it's not necessarily do one over the other. It's really hard to get into publishing when you all you want to do is write and then you're like, oh, I'll be an editor because we smell that like 10 miles away. Like we know when people want to use publishing as a stepping stone. And also it's so hard to use publishing as a stepping stone because it sucks as a job. If you're not like there 150% of the way, you will not make it through publishing to the point of you making it to your writing career. So that's why I'm just like, do not try to get into publishing to be published. That is not how it works. It's usually people are there as editors and then they learn the industry and then they're working with a lot of brilliant writers and then they learn how that brilliant writer does their stuff. And they probably were writing in the background because a lot of people go into fields that they creatively are doing and then they, be, they decide that maybe they want to be a writer so that's where that came from i was like well i just write it like i had a very interesting experience as a black girl in boarding school and uh, stepping up is about my freshman year and about um being one of the few black people in uh phillips academy andover uh boarding school in massachusetts and how 
stepping and being part of the stepping team helped me get through the first year, which was very, very difficult for me. Um, so that's what the story is about. And that's a little bit on how I decided to start a second career. <laughs> so did you have a plan for this story? Like, it sounds like it started as a passion project. Were you actively thinking, how can I get this out there? Where can I send this? Was that part of the process? Of course. Like <laughs> I, I wanted, I a hundred percent wanted to be this to be the first story I told because I'm so passionate about it, but I'm also an editor and I also know what holes are in the industry. And I know that there's near to no black memoir in YA um, because I personally am looking for that as an editor. So because I know this much and I know the industry that much, I was like, you know what my first one, you know what I'm going to go query with? a black memoir in YA. And I also know there's not a lot of stuff about boarding school and obviously mine is multi-level. There's also dance. There's also like, you know, white privilege and racism. It's, it has a lot of like those like ticking little words that publishing loves to eat up. Um, so again, I didn't decide that because I didn't go with this story because of it, but I did know that it's, it would be smart. Cause like I had another idea, for example, when it was like a, my, it was probably going to be my third book. It's like, of magic realism fantasy but I was like I'm not starting with this because it's smarter for me to start and a lot of writers have like a lot of work in progress and they can do this they can decide what like I want to I want to tell all of these but what will I tell first to get my foot in the door and you have to be strategic about it and this is why research like market research is really important like reading what's like recent is important um because even when you read what's recent that's already three years old because it was probably fired more than three years ago um so it was a lot of that I was just like you know they're gonna love this like I don't think there's a lot of out of this out there um and obviously like it's it, it pushes a little nepotistic I tell people that I I use my what I knew about the industry to my advantage, but agents would not have acquired me or tried to acquire me or have me be their client if I couldn't write. But there are pluses. Like I have worked with so many agents and I only queried agents that were nice to me because there's a lot of agents in these industries that treat editors like they're not human. And I refuse to work with someone like that because I'm an editor and I want my editor to feel nice and like be respected by my agent. So I literally picked like six people where I was like, these people are really nice. Like they're like, like they're hard goal getters, you know, they get the stuff done, but they're polite and nice to people while doing so. So obviously I had the upper hand because I had work, but they, I like, for example, my favorite uh, agent, I, I don't think she'll mind me saying, I love Linda Camacho and I, she was the one, I was only going to query her. That's the only person to query. And then, People were like, no, you should query other people. And yes, people, you should query various agents. Um, and she was, I, she had it for a while. And I was like, well, I really want Linda. She ended up turning it down because they don't care. Like, it doesn't care. It's not important that I'm an editor. It's important that I write. And it was not the project for hers. And I found other people that wanted. I ended up having like three of the five agents I went to be interested. And then I really had a hard time getting between the two, but I ended up with Brit because we really aligned. But yes, those are a lot of the, what goes on. Now you, you again, you, you have a knack for segueing into what I was gonna ask next, which was that getting an agent process because it's refreshing to hear that you query because a lot of the people that we've had on have agents, but they got it like the agent found them or it's good to hear the querying process too, because it's a daunting process. So, I mean, you were, you were familiar with it because you work in publishing, but what was the querying process like? Like you had your top tier agent, uh, how, like, 
uh, just a generalized, how was querying? How did you build your list of agents? You said it was people you liked, but obviously you're looking for people that represent the kind of stuff you're wanting to get out there. So, you know, you had a good response to it. What made Brit the one that was right for you? Yeah, so actually I knew nothing about the querying process. Uh, <laughs> as an editor alone, you do not know really. You have an idea but then you don't know what's going So like the queen process is a pain in the ass. I luckily only have five agents because at the end of the day, I was like, if I can't get these five agents, it is what it is. Like, you know, again, I have my main career. I, I, I love the fact that I was able and was really, I'm really grateful and I'm really lucky that I was able to make writing my second career. It has helped me financially and also like artistically it has helped my editor side. But I wrote this thing and I was like, I love it. I'm glad I wrote it. And if it ended up nowhere, it ended up nowhere. Um, it is what it is. So I'm like, these are the five people. But some people may have like a 20 person list, right, for agents. And every agent has different requirements. So if I just went off, like, for example, three of my five agents, I would have only written two chapters. But because one of my agents, I think Britt was actually one of them. Maybe Britt wasn't. Maybe another one of my five agents required a whole script then I took my six months and I wrote my whole script, you know, because I had an idea of what. So you have to write what you want to submit. So I had a whole script because then I could take pieces and send it to the person who only wants a piece and then the whole thing to send it to another person. And the good thing is that agents are lucky and they have something called query manager, uh, which editors do not have. Uh, we're just dying here in our inbox. Um, but uh, they and they can tell you when they're closed and they're open. So luckily, a lot of the people when I work with were open. Um, and yeah, and the query process is a lot of that. It's you send it, you hope they like it. And if more than one person likes it, then you have like a call with them and you ask them like a list of questions. And luckily one of my friends had gone through the querying process because I didn't know what to ask. Like I am an editor and I have ideas, but I, I don't know, I don't know any of this. So I asked him, I'm like, what did you ask in your call? And he's fantastic. He's like, this is the list. He's like, he just sends me. He's like, this is the list of questions. Pick and choose the ones you think are applicable. Um, and so I did that and I was asking them and it was just like matching. At the end of the day, I was stuck between two that I love dearly, like truly love them dearly. Um, and for me, just break clicked in the way that, I don't know, she uh, saw my vision. Uh, we uh, vibed really well because like, you you don't have to be best friends, but you need to like find your agent pleasant. You know, you're like spending a lot of time with them. Every time I, I pick up the phone and talk with Britt, it goes on for way too long because we're just there yapping away. Um, so it was a lot of that, but also because like, I, I can say this because I told this to Britt's face. I think Britt is a shark. Um, like she is willing to go bat for me. She's so good at her job. She like opened up an agency like two to three years or something. I might, I don't know her history, but like really short into her career as an agent as like a top graphic novel like agent. And I was only looking at graphic novel only, for example, not graphic novel only, graphic novel main. Cause now there's agents that do pros and graphic novel, but I only wanted someone whose main bread and butter was graphic novel. Cause that's who I trust. Um, so yeah, that's why I worked out with Brit is it's a lot of like vibes really. I was having, I was ripping my hair out at the end when I was choosing between two because at the end you just have to trust your gut and there's it's not object it's like all subjective you know like what what I picked about Brit would work for me and would not work for other people so it's about picking a partner basically mm -hmm. something that I want to get back to but you mentioned something else well you mentioned this earlier much earlier but the fact that you queried with just a script in this space I think is also really refreshing to hear because so much of the especially middle grade young adult graphic novel scene is author illustrator same person it's just easier to work with most a lot of agents even say we only want author illustrator 
did, were you, did you ever get the sense that having a script wasn't enough? I mean, it sounds like you had plenty of interest with it just being a script, right? Um, I was scared because every other friend of mine who uh, got their pitch reached out to an artist beforehand and pitched it together as a team and that to the agent. And that is a good way. That's actually probably a more successful way of doing things. But for me, that's terrifying because I had no artist that I thought would work with this project that I was friends with in that way to ask them to blindly trust me where I wasn't even acquired by an agent yet. You know, it just felt like I'm asking an artist a lot. So I was just like, I'd rather just go on at this by myself. Um, and again, that's why my list was so limited too because I was doing script only. So I was going after um, agents that I liked and were uh, basically accepting scripts. And many agents only accept like four or five, like maybe 15% of their list is writers alone because it is harder, but they exist, they're out there. And like, if your writing is good enough and like it really pulls them or like you're, it's more like, it's not even my writing, it was the story. Like if your story is like that, um, cause my writing is good, but I also had to be edited like four passes with my agent. And I'm so I'm someone who needs to be edited. Like a lot of people need to be edited a lot and there's no perfect writer out there. But um, it is that, it is harder, but they exist, especially now that agents are, everyone's doing graphic novels. Mm -hmm. Even when I was acquiring, uh, which was back in the pandemic. So like maybe 20, maybe I started writing in 2019. I actually can't remember. Um, yeah, they there were even less agents working on graphic novels. So now there's a lot, but just be careful because you want someone who knows their stuff. Like you don't want uh, an agent who just got into graphic novels because they did prose and like doesn't know what they're doing. But there's plenty of them out there to choose from. And then a question from the audience. Uh, you kind of answered it, but I want to ask it again uh, to get your specific response. But uh, a lot of talk of literary agencies. Uh, somebody who doesn't know where to start looking for representation uh, and how to catch someone's attention querying. So two-part question, how do you look for agents and how do you catch their attention? There is this list online of agents, like manuscript wish list has agents on it. So go on that. And then there's, if you're looking for specific agents of color, which is, was my preference, like not my whole list was agents of color. I had like a white person on it cause I love them, but I, it is, for me, it was a plus, you know, if the person is of color. Again, Brit, I thought was a white person and turns out there's a little sneaky, sneaky sneak Mexican in her. And I'm like, wow, this is shocking to me. Um, but there is a list if you're looking for people of color specifically, I, I don't remember what it is, you have to Google it, of, of agents of color, it exists. It's like an organization, I believe. There's that way, you just go through, make sure you go on Twitter, you find out there are some agents out there that should not be in this business anymore um that are that are in fact blacklisted from editors lists but they can't say that because of politics so you do not want to end up on their list because a lot of agents will turn it down on principle because the agent's an awful person so you do your research you do your twitter search uh at whatever and like find their name because trust me they did something it's on twitter uh, or it's online so do your research um, but another way is that if you like a graphic novel uh, artist, if you like a writer, go look at their representation, go to their Twitter, go to their website, who represents them, go to that agent's website, because then they have a list of their clients, see what they're representing, see what they're looking for. And it's, you can do it that way as well. And what was the second question? Uh, standing out in a query. And you kind of mentioned like just the quality of the story, but what did you do in your query that you felt made it stand out? 
I don't even remember. It really was just a normal query. I really just think is I was so strategic about what I was writing more than my writing. Again, I think I'm a good writer. Trust me. At this point, I think I, I, I've proven myself um, on my end. Most of you guys don't know what I've been writing because it's like not announced, but I think I'm okay. I can say that with some confidence, but it really is the story you know like at this point like if you read enough graphic novels you can even ask editor friends i've done a lot of panels where i talk about the holes in publishing you know like if you are interested in one of those things that are lacking you should write for it the only thing is you should not pick the thing that isn't in the industry and write for it because of that because i tr trust me you're gonna hate yourself i have needed to read read my script at least eight times at this point and we haven't even started the art stage you have to love what you're writing because you're going to be reading it so many times. So please pick something you're passionate about. But it really is just that. Unfortunately, queries are not, it's not like a pitch. Queries are like nothing fancy. Like, especially if you're a writer, nothing fancy at all. There's just writing. And that's it. You have a, a little letter. Like they, they ask you to do a little letter. You see a little bit about yourself and why you like the agent. But other than you just send them to two chapters and that's it. Your writing has to speak for themselves. And then I'm curious, do you, do you feel like having an agent has made you a better writer, like being able to work with someone with that experience? Has that made you progress as a writer? Do you feel like you feel like you're getting better as a writer? Yes, I do. I do think so, because it's like having two editors. So with Brit, Brit's a heavy editor. Um, and I love working with other editors because it's so fast as an editor. It's so fascinating to me how other people edit. And I need a lot of editing. I can't edit myself. Editors cannot edit themselves. I, don't, I just know that we can't edit ourselves. It's like a blind spot. Um, so I did like four passes with Brit and now I'm on my third pass with my um, editor, but it would have probably been seven passes with my editor if I hadn't done all I did with Brit. Um, and it's been fantastic, like working on it with her, like she's such a good editor um, and seeing what she catches made the story stronger and also you know, like made it to, and we, I had a four house auction. I think it, I could not have gotten that far if Brit hadn't edited the heck out of me. And I have to ask about the four house auction. That's a big deal. Like what, how, what was that like? I mean, was it, I imagine it was a little surprising, but did Brit prepare you for like, there's going to be interest for this? She did. She, she knows what she has, like, mm -hmm. A good thing. Uh, she's very smart. Um, she's like, this is gonna, this is gonna be big. I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, you're lying. Like, it's gonna be fine. Like, as long as it gets published, I'm chill. Like, again, I. That's why I like having a full time job. I'm a Virgo. I like stability. I will never not be an editor. Being an editor is always first. It's. I say it's what I was put on this earth for. And also, I like knowing my salary. Like, I know I like knowing that in two weeks I'm gonna get paid. I will never be a freelancer alone. It's so hard, guys. It's so hard. But um, I like that I can have it as a side. And uh, she was like, look, this is going to be big. And I'm like, uh -huh. uh, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And then it happened. And it was insanity. Uh, I have done these calls on the other end. I have been the editor who's in auctions, doing the phone calls, uh, like blabbing away, answering questions. And when it came down to me being the writer, asking editors questions, I had to do like I had a Google Doc. Like I, I wrote questions, I wrote each of their answers separated by editor because I was like, I, I, I want to pick the right one. I just don't know how people do this. How do they choose? It's so subjective. And it came down to two people and each editor had their own notes and their own vision for the and all of them made sense. So like all of them make sense. So I'm like, I guess I'll just pick the one that I buy most like as a person. And like, I really like the imprint, yada, yada, yada. So I ended up 
with uh, Carolina Ortiz at Harper Alley. We just really meshed. And also she's my biggest, as talking about nepotism, um, or, or not even, whatever, in uh, uh, comics. She is my biggest rival as well. I lose a lot of books to her, but I don't feel bad about it because I'm like, wait, she's my editor. I picked her for a reason. So it's okay that I lost it to her. It will be in good hands. <laughs> so you you mentioned this briefly, but I want to follow up on it. Did, do you feel like your work as an editor being in that position helped you be ready for it as a writer? Or was it just a completely different thing? Like the like being a writer in publishing or specifically like um, the acquisition process, the acquisition process. Like, did you feel like you were prepared for that whole process? Yes. Um, in the sense of I knew I've been in so many auctions, like I knew auctions. Uh, it's really funny. Me and Brie have this thing where uh, we say, OK, I am putting on my agent hat. You have to put on your writer hat and then we take it off. And I'm like, I'm my editor hat. Uh, well, she's still her agent hat. Uh, so I have to, you have to compartmentalize. So like she, she would tell me what her, her plan, you know, to do things. And then she'd be like, but don't, you can't remember any of this because she does submit to me. I am in her auctions. Um, so it's a lot of compartmentalizing, but I knew what was going on and it was very exciting on my end. I really did not expect to, for it to be a four house auction. It's, I think for anyone, whether you're in the industry or not, you just don't know if editors are going to be interested like you think you have something good but when you write it and when I was at when I was when I was in my fourth pass you know of reading it and editing it, I'm just like is this really interesting like especially if it's a memoir and it's your own life you're like wait but is this actually interesting so it's just really nice to be affirmed and like a four-house option is really affirming it's also great when it comes to money but it's also very affirming and I want to ask because you've been through a lot of the editorial process now obviously on both sides for writers, when do you know when to stand your ground on things? Like, are there times where where your agent or an editor will say, I think this needs to change and you you can overrule them? Like, how do you know when to stand your ground and when to give? Um, you should always stand your ground when you really believe in it. And if you have a good agent or a good editor, they will usually go your way. Because at the end of the day, especially as an editor, I, I have the belief that I acquired it and I want to edit, but all my edits are suggestions. If you want to put it raw into the world and you want to put your name on that, by all means, like go with God. But uh, it'd be great if you listen to my suggestions as an outside reader. So it's that I, all of my stuff is suggestions. I have stood down, like I have suggested something and the person, and it usually goes this way. I suggest something and that brings something up in the writer or the artist. And they're like, yes, good point, but can we do it this way? And that is the best situation. Like being the spark to a change, the spark to a revision is really, I think where agents and um, editors stand. I think agents more than anything or might be a little more strict because they want to sell it and they want to shape it to sell it. Where like, books are published every day you know like editors are all like there's so many types of editors there's books that have been published that I read and I'm like this is good could have been better but what are you what can you do about it at that point you paid for the book it's fine like it's a good story like many people's visions are different it's more subjective but you should stand your ground anytime you really believe it like if you if you hear a, a suggestion and you're like no like that will that doesn't go with my story that ruins something or that makes x y and z not work you can offer a different suggestion or you can just say, I'm sorry, like, I don't think so. And that's why having a partner is important. Having an editor and an agent that is in the same line of vision for you, because then they will never really suggest something that's like left field. 
if you guys are in line, usually. Mm-hmm. It's a great note to end on. Before we go, though, I want to give you a chance to promote anything. Where can people find you? Social media, website, whatever you want to put out there. This is this is the time to do it. So my website is kiaravaldez.com. Um, and so go there. I have a lot of stuff, like things I'm working on, things I've acquired as an editor. It's both my writer, my writer and editor. Um, I have nothing out right now. Like all most of what my stuff is out is storybooks, like I pieced out with Scholastic and everything else is like to come. But a book on my list uh, published uh, two weeks ago and it's Hungry Ghost by Victoria Yang. I highly recommend it. It's beautiful. Uh, look it up. And that's really all I want to promote. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This was a great conversation. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for coming. And thank you so much for having me. Of course. So to all of our listeners, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. We're talking with Matt Emmons. And you can go to negativespacecomics.com negative space backslash events. And we'll see you then.